Hi, I'm Melvin, and this is Love Letter Podcast. All right, all right, all right. How y'all doing? How y'all feeling? Let's get metaphysical. So, I feel like I've been waiting to record this episode since before I even knew I would podcast. So, if you let it, this episode might just change your life. Might, because who can say for sure? I don't know what y'all doing with y'all. Anyway, whatever. Who cares? Um, so... I told y'all probably a few times at this point that I was going to be giving us an eagle eye view of stuff. Um, well, this week we're going intergalactic. And if you right here with me, you'll catch this. That's word to Xenon. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> so in the last episode, I invited us all to be more curious about ourselves and our lives. So acting like we were kind of like just dropped into our life and and kind of observe what comes up, observe what we see in our environment. Um, I think in New York, that looks like looking at buildings like you haven't seen them before and seeing like the architecture on like those top floors, like something as simple as that. Um, Like watching kids play where you would normally kind of just be in your own world, like looking up from our phone for just a second to see what's happening around us. Because I, I've mentioned a couple times that I think we can, and I'll mention it later too, that we can see our lives, our entire lives like a dashboard, um, and that we're meaning-making machines, so we can always be determining what the things that we see mean to us and to push us in either direction. And we do this unconsciously, which is why we keep seeing patterns and reliving things that we don't particularly love. Um, so yeah, so that was last episode. Um, I also invited us to be considering the ways our internal and external environments may or may not support our evolution. So the ways in which our, um, yeah, just our physical environments. Um, I think I saw myself grow and change and expand a ton once I like left my home state. Um, and I don't think that's required for, for everyone, but it could just be like the energy in your apartment building or the street that you live on. Um, but yeah, just more than making any particular move, just being curious about our those internal and external environments. And so in this post-statement episode, I want to equip you with a few metaphysical tools I've used to help frame my experience and truly connect with more of what's possible for me personally. Um, and again, operationalizing metaphysics or metaphysical, um, I think let's go with the abstract study of our reality or universe. So... It's using things that are rooted in stuff, but not our traditional scientific process to kind of make sense of everything. Um, and as we get into it, we'll maybe flesh that out, maybe not um, take it or leave it. You, anyway, who cares? <laughs> and so we're typically inundated with these things all over social media. Um, but I want to make plain a few things that can actually help us. As always, as always, 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 both here at your jobs in a learning program in conversations try it on see how it fits before you just make it yours and apply what you like about the general mechanism and approach we've been using to all of this stuff to your everyday life i think that is as great a takeaway as any particular content that i'm preparing for us to kind of like chew on and mull over um yeah and another note before we continue um 
especially since I mentioned previously leaving my job and career a couple times. And I'm especially not noticing this now. Um, I'm noticing a lot these days and it's, 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 I'm getting cooked. Um, so Western society is always hurting us and relentlessly pushing us forward like cattle. And the funny thing is, it's often in every direction simultaneously. It's like, you need to be doing this and you need to be doing this and you need to be doing this and you need to be doing this with the same 24 hours and the same energy and the same responsibilities. It's ridiculous. And so that compulsive and nagging feeling to always be doing something that I'm extremely familiar with and producing is not entirely yours. Some of us, like myself, get burnt out from doing stuff, but then also satisfaction from doing stuff too. So I think that for me is a me thing, but I also want to call out that it's like a baseline for all of us, given how societies kind of run. It's, it's capitalism. Like, look at that word and how you see it used. Capitalism, you want to capitalize. Like, we're making use of something for something else. So, it's really, really difficult to be in the ocean of a system like that and kind of be at ease and just be chilling out and be resting because what are you capitalizing on? You have this time, time is money. What are you doing with that whole thing? But... We don't want to entirely divorce that that forward movement and that desire to produce. But we do want to be clear what we arrive to this life with and what we are actually meant to be carrying. Because if we're going to be pushed, herded and, and move, moved along a particular path, I would like to do it with only the luggage that I'm meant to be going with. Um, OK, um, another thing. We are often very, I've noticed this myself, and so I'm only, I've lived this stuff too, um, and I also haven't mastered this stuff, but I don't know if that needs to be said, but I'll say it. Um, back to leaving my job. So, we are often afraid of seeing things that don't work, or are no longer aligned to us, or that don't feel good, or that are taking more things from us than they're giving, because we don't feel that we have an immediate next step. Like, I'll try to say that again, um, but we're often afraid of seeing what is no longer for us or seeing what we're ready to leave because we sometimes don't see the next step. So it's like rather than see that this job sucks and is draining this stuff for me, if I can't see what comes next, I don't want to see that this job is really draining stuff from me and not giving anything back. However... We can't see the steps that may or may not be available to us. And I feel like may be available to us because there's always options um, if we don't stop and look fully at where we are. So if I don't want to see it, I'm like, I pretend not to see the exhaustion. I pretend not to see the lack of reciprocity. I pretend not to see the jab and the subtle disdain for me because I don't know if I do, if I will know what to do next. And that's a perfectly human and fair reality. However, if we never stop and look at or acknowledge that this sucks, and of course not to stay there, but to be able to acknowledge this this sucks, then it's going to be extremely difficult to create space or begin to even lean into a new possibility. Um, another point here, because we talk a lot about, um, you hear a, a lot about positive vibes and 
being positive and the importance of all of that. And I, I agree to a large extent. And I think that's important, but I also think it's equally important to not be delusional about things that hurt. Um, and Louise Hay from like Hay House. So like it's a publishing house that, that, that is about, they publish a ton of spiritual books. Um, Louise Hay has all kinds of affirmations and things all over the internet, but she said that to clean something up, so to apply all those positive vibes and thinking and stuff, you some you have to acknowledge that there are some things that are icky or don't fit. So it's like I can just be positive, but in what direction? Like what like what am I cleaning up? And so I don't know if I explained that well, but that's not the point of this episode and we'll just keep going. I remember saying to friends and family before I quit that I wasn't prepared to because I didn't know what my next step was. I'd looked for jobs and interviewed a few rounds at a couple really cool places that I could have been moderately happy at, but I didn't want to be moderately happy. (laughs) I wanted to be clear and I wanted to be me. And so in the waiting and the anticipation and the logging on and that whole thing, that next step did not arrive in the way that I would have anticipated or hoped. And I'm glad that it didn't, but I did know and feel internally that if I didn't leap soon from that thing that was sucking so much energy for me, that I wouldn't be prepared for something later. Like, that's the best way that I can put it into words. And I still don't know if I've met that thing yet, but it doesn't matter because I persisted and I made the leap. Plus, it wasn't hard because I was pretty miserable. (laughs) But I noticed that once I'd submitted my resignation, had those conversations, and began pulling my energy back into myself, and again, putting that in plain language, not compulsively doing stuff that others told me to do or keeping busy because that's the the order of the workforce these days or to remain in available status or busy status. I quickly began noticing that I wasn't being shown a next step, but a buffet of next steps that I didn't even have to choose from. So when I was searching for other jobs, it was like, okay, pick the position that you want to do, do the resume and the cover letter to the whole thing. It's... Uh, uh, Um, I saw quickly after I left my job that everything I'd ever dreamed of being was just waiting on me. And that beginning at the beginning of these new journeys without the the manifestation or the completed act of becoming who I want to be was enough. It was okay to be a beginner because I had all that the satisfaction from being myself and all the experiences that I'd hated and I felt were detours had filled my rucksack with all I needed to at the very least begin. And I'd like to think that we've more than just begun, wouldn't you? Uh, In full disclosure, I'm not fully there yet. But like I said, process is super important to me and I want us to get this together. So full disclosure, I still have some pesky debt, some old stories I'm sure I haven't observed or addressed just yet. Some people who do actually mean me harm. (laughs) But I can say that although my material reality may on the surface look more challenging, I am much richer than I have ever been and I'm more clear than I've ever been. And I am determined to continue choosing my life, not the life that's left over after attending to bullshit. And I don't want to say that like it's so easy because I'm not encouraging you to quit your job. I'm encouraging you to be clear. And I know that we all have responsibilities, but I just want us to be clear. So I'm doing my work and I'm doing what I can and aiming at my highest life. And I'm inviting you to do the same. Now back to curiosity. 
So, as I said before, I deeply trust that there is a designer to this whole life thing. And regardless of your own beliefs, these can and should vary from mine. My mission on this episode is to help you dive a little bit into your cosmic design so you can better choose your life. And so the tools I want to explore today are astrology, my favorite tool, numerology, your open creative projects, any previous assessments that you've ever taken, and you guessed it, your childhood interests. And so for the astrology, don't balk or or do anything and don't turn this off yet. Them hoes told you that you are an ISTJ and you ran with it. (laughs) So I think that we could leverage something that is a little bit more specific to you. And like, I think that right there says it because most people think that you're just one sign and that's false. So take these lenses, try them on, see what you like, see what you don't. But more than anything else, let's just have some fun. So, beginning with the astrology. So, a little background. So, astrology is like the study of the sky, the planetary movements, and the theory that they have some level of influence over life on Earth. Um, I think we sometimes hear the phrase, um, as above, so below, um, and variations of that. I think astrology has gained a bad or diminished reputation because of a few things that happened in history. Um, I think initially, if I remember correctly, because I did this research like a ton of, a long time ago, but initially astronomy, which is like literally the, the, the mathematic study of the planets and astrology, which has some mythology attached to it, were one in the same. And then I think at some point, I forgot what era that was, there was like a, a branching off of the two due in large part to astrology having like more mythological elements to it as well as divinatory or like predictive elements to it so because it's like you could quote unquote predict the future it's like okay that's witchcraft it's demonic in today's language um and it's not rooted or based in anything um when if you were to take the details that we'll get into and plug them into an online calculator like you would your BMI, which whatever. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, you would see something that is probably difficult to understand or make sense of because it's so mathematical. It's it's super duper precise. And if you've maybe gathered at this point, I really really enjoy science. And the thing that I like most about astrology is I love the mythology and stories and stuff because I love like zooming out. But I also love how precise it is. And how you can tell different stories and and, and collect different interpretations that can help you with the unfolding of yourself. At least that's what it did for me. So let's get out of the past and like, let's talk about now and let's talk about you. So each of us has a cosmic configuration that is composed of all the planetary bodies that we learned in school. So the sun, Pluto, I hate what they did to my girl, Pluto, Venus, all kinds of stars that exist in the sky and those planetary bodies or those celestial bodies represent different aspects of ourselves. So a lot of times, well, most people know their sun sign. And so that is the sign that the sun that we look at all the time or don't um, was in when you were born. So that could be Virgo. We're currently in Virgo season. That could be Aries. So when people say, oh, what is your sign? They're typically referring to your sun sign. And then you'll offer something that you more or less agree with. 
However, you have a moon sign, a Venus sign, all of those different signs that provide insight that you can take or leave about how you kind of go about and can go about the world. And like I look at the the composition of all those planets, we can see them on a chart that you can pull down from the internet that I'll get into. And it's called a natal chart, natal like birth and then chart. Um, I, I look at all of those different planets as like a switchboard with like different spectrums on them that taken together create the, the the cosmic story that is you and so since i'm a little bit nervous not about sharing this stuff but more so about getting it all right and getting all the details i'll probably link an article to like pulling down your natal chart and finding this kind of information but for you specifically this may be a good time after i say this may be a good time to kind of pause and go do this and maybe bring this information back or you can do it later but to get this cosmic blueprint or your natal chart as it's officially called you want to have your birth date. Uh, you want to have your birth time. So that <laughs> means asking one of your caregivers um, for your time of birth. They're likely not going to remember this and they may or may not have your birth certificate handy. I remember kind of chasing this information down and then having to get it from the vital statistics website of the state that I was born in. Um but I would absolutely say it was worth it. I remember being on vacation in the Caribbean and <laughs> was on the phone with the people talking, trying to get this information. Um, I wasn't that pressed yet because I didn't know how beneficial this was, but I kind of stuck at it. So I have like a few friends that are still waiting for this information from parents. It's just easier to go to the website of the state where you're born, vital statistics, and then, then request a birth certificate. And it's also good to just have a birth certificate. It's also kind of cool. But you want to have your birth date your birth time, your birth location. So that's like city and state. Um, and you'll plug that into either a website that I'll link um, or an app. Um, I don't want to say I prefer the app because I use both, but the app is just handy. So even though I don't like free promo, I love y'all. So if you want to do this on the computer, you can do this on your phone. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking like desktop because the bigger screen and then um, app because then you can just have it in your hands. Um, you can go to astro.com and then you'll want to go to, uh, let's see if I can pull this up quick. Um, you want to go to astro.com and then you want to go to horoscopes. Y'all already reading them anyway. You're probably reading the wrong one, but I don't Anyway, I was to, whatever, you, whatever you just want to read about anyway, anyway, uh, you want to go to free horoscopes. Um, and then you want to go down the page a little bit and click chart drawing ascendant. And we'll talk about that, but that's like an important part of your chart. Um, but go to ascend it, and then you'll want to put in the information that I, I mentioned. So that is your birth date, time, location. Um, I don't think you need any particular other details. And then you click continue. Um, make sure the details are right. And then it'll pull up what is a really big circle, oh, a, a circle with a table to the left of it with like a bunch of details and so i don't want you to get overwhelmed by just by this just yet because i really want us to kind of focus on like four specific points and so that's astro.com um so hopefully you have that up hopefully you'll have it um later um i would say save it i, I, I don't think you need to make an account on astro but i just have that information handy because it'll be fun to look back at um and then to do your own i guess self-study um being curious 
Uh, the app that I would recommend that I really enjoy is Time Passages. It's available on iOS and Android. Oh, I want to throw up. Uh, <laughs> um, and it's it's it looks old and kind of clunky. However, it also gives you information about a lot of your planetary placements. That is pretty accurate and it takes in consideration the relationships between all the planets which is what makes an astrologer great and which is why i would not call myself an astrologer yet but on time passages it's pretty much the same process you'll download the app um i have stuff in here so i don't know exactly what it looks like um without but you want to click the plus button or the charts button whatever button you would get to to add new details and again your name um birth location time date all that that stuff it starts out the house calculation says whole sign or placidus or coke or camping don't worry about all that stuff like don't worry about that stuff it's, it's, it's super confusing and we want just a, a really basic understanding of our own configuration so and then also let me know if you have any questions because this process can be if we overcomplicate it it can be complicated but anyway um Awesome. So hopefully you have that natal chart handy. Maybe you'll look at it later. Um, oh, another thing on time passages, they will probably ask you to pay a dollar for the chart, but I also think it's worth it. And y'all probably throw away dollars. But anyway, um, so I think the I want us to specifically focus on four specific placements and not because that's comprehensive. Um, going back to the precision of the natal chart and how how detailed it is. In astrology, you have to take all the planets into consideration in their relationships. But because I'm not an astrologer yet and we're starting at the beginning, um, I think four planetary placements will be decent enough to kind of get us on our way. And so those four placements that I want us to talk about is your sun sign. So that's the month that you were born. You probably already know that. Your moon sign, um, your rising sign, and your midheaven. And so I will next define what those are and their importance so beginning with your sun sign so the sun sign is the heart of your natal chart is the center of your solar system move about the world how you kind of approach things initially um like a way of being that is kind of most natural to you so if you are a virgo sun you care about purity to some degree you're meticulous um very analytical very i don't mean this negatively critical you can like see the things that could be fixed for better and worse so each sign and each aspect of ourselves is going to have is going to exist on a spectrum and will fluctuate from day to day like that whole thing so the sun sign is just like your your day-to-day identity it's like kind of how you move through your world the, your world essentially um your moon sign I think, given how sensitive I am, I feel like the moon sign is extremely important. Your moon sign represents your basic needs, your instinctive responses, and your inner emotional life. And so, taken together, the sun and moon are considered the luminaries, um, because they're the two largest celestial bodies and the brightest that we see in the sky. So I want to call that out, because often people will say, oh, astrology isn't real, or it isn't valid. Because I don't feel like a Gemini. I don't like sharing ideas or talking to people when there's a celestial body, a planet, or in this case, a luminary, that represents how you tend to feel. 
And I think once I learned about moon signs, it's like, oh, okay. So that's why there might be some level of discrepancy between what I actually feel and kind of how I see myself in the world. And so the moon sign will provide you a lot of data that you can use on how you can better sculpt your 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 reality, your environment, your life, your routine, such that your internal needs are being met. Because if you say to me, if you just give me rigidity, I'm going to enjoy it, but my moon sign has different needs than my sun sign, um, as all of us. The rising sign, um, or the ascendant, like it, th- those terms are used interchangeably. But the ascendant, or the rising sign, was the sign that was rising on the eastern horizon when you were born. And so it is one of a few angles that create the foundation for our lives, but we don't have to worry about that just yet. But... The rising sign is probably is I want to say more specific than any, any other point in your your natal chart or your cosmic blueprint. But the rising sign is very specific to you because it changes so frequently throughout the day, and that's what I mean about astrology being precise. Is that you can take your sun sign, which is in that sign for like thirty days, like you and whoever else was born in September slash October are like Virgos. But the sign that was rising on the horizon for you creates some level of specificity to your life. And so the rising sign is, I, I, I think the astrologer Eliza Kelly said, or she classifies or she describes the rising sign as being like the genre of your life. A lot of people will say it's like the persona or a mask that you present to the world. So people often probably guess your rising sign before your sun sign. Um, unless they're like the same, but it's because the life journey that you're on is often more immediately perceivable than just the way in which you move through the world. And I know that that probably sounded real super duper out there, but I think the point that I'm trying to make is that when we consider the rising sign, the ascendant, we are very specifically talking about the life journey that we're on as an individual. And so you might be an airy sun, so you might be adventurous, thrill-seeking, impulsive, excitable, prepared to kind of start things, but your rising sign might be, let's say, cancer, which is ruled by the moon and is is sensitive, and then people might say, oh, I thought you were a cancer. Um, And so we can take data from the sun sign about how we go about the world But then we can also zoom out and get that intergalactic perspective, my supernova girls, with that rising sign. And we can get a lot of data from that that we can use. And and a point here that is extremely important. So if you take literally nothing else, um, well, I wouldn't say that. But the rising sign is a sign, I don't want to say should, but it is a sign that is most recommended that you read if you read a horoscope. Because the sun sign is kind of how you organize your life. But your ascendant or your rising sign is like the life journey that you're on, the theme that you're living. And so most people say that once they start reading their horoscope for their rising sign, things kind of click a little bit more. Because one of those signs is the center of your universe is super duper present. And and these are my own words. And your rising sign is like, this is the path that you're on. Not path like you have no free will, you can't decide, fate, all the other stuff. But... It's it's the 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 stream that you're in. Y'all hear me toddling through these words and trying to get this stuff out. Um, finally, for our purposes, of course, because there's a lot of stuff in that chart, as you probably seen. Uh, the midheaven, 
And so the midheaven I don't is slightly tricky to find because it's in I think that's Latin. It's usually it usually says MC on these charts and in these apps, um, and that stands for like medium coeli or something. I don't know how you would say it in Latin, but it means middle of the sky. So it's like the highest point in in the chart. And like a point here, if you went to astro.com and put these details in, you're looking at a circle, and you might consider that a snapshot of where the planets were um, around the Earth. Like you're looking at. Uh, a snapshot of the horizon, that whole thing. And so when you're looking at the MC in that chart, where you're looking at is the top of the chart and the sign that that was in. And so the midheaven provides a lot of very key information about our ambitions, about our career path, our worldly status, and our achievements. So said another way, the midheaven is like, if I Google your name, that's kind of what you're doing and offering the world. And it's not super duper narrow. So I don't want you to look at that and say, oh, well, that means I can only do this one thing. Because again, these things are super duper detailed and broad, giving us a lot of leeway. But for example, if you have a midheaven in, let's say Virgo, it's like a life that is dedicated to service, that is improving things, that is criticizing things in a way that makes them better. Um, in a way that, and then also it's kind of selfless. It's like, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for a broader collective. And so I, I call that out as important for us because I think our generation is, is determined to make an impact. We want to figure out what we're here for, how we're meant to serve the world. Um, and I think knowing that what, what our, I don't want to say North star, because that's also another point in the chart, but we're not going to overwhelm here, but knowing what is the top of our personal solar system provides a lot of help for how we kind of frame our lives. So I don't want us to take any of this information to mean, okay, that means I'm limited in these ways. But what I do want us to do is to take these keys and unlock as much of ourselves as we possibly can to have lives that feel like they're ours. So let's play this out with an example. So let's say you look up your natal chart. And your sun is in Libra. So Libra is an air sign. So you're communicative. You're social. Have quite a few Libra friends. Social. Um, Libra is, is is represented by the scale. So things that are like balanced. So you're never taking too much. Um, um, and you're, you really want consensus. You want people to kind of feel good and a part of the collective. Um, then let's say that your moon sign is in Taurus. So Taurus is about stability it's about things that feel good and and being able to move slowly and at your own pace you can likely be a little bit stubborn let's say then that your rising sign is in cancer uh cancer is a water sign so emotional sensitive perceptive um and so as a rising sign your life journey could be about like cultivating emotion or learning how to navigate those emotions being more nurturing and finally your midheaven let's say then that your midheaven is in aries so this could be somebody who is not really good at working for other people it's gonna be someone who is competitive who is a natural entrepreneur you're confident you you take initiative you might be a little too impulsive or thrill seeking but taken together you may thoroughly enjoy social settings and or just naturally be social and, and, and like a butterfly, but 
sometimes feel like your needs aren't met because you aren't spending enough time in, in solitude, enough time attending to your physical and material needs. And so then with that, it's like, okay, if I'd look up what a moon in Taurus is, then I can make sure that my home environment feels safe and comfortable and quiet and peaceful so that whenever I am out and doing social activities, I'm not overwhelmed or I know that I can get back and recharge. If your rising sign is in cancer, then you know, okay, cool. I am learning to manage and and navigate my emotions and this life is inviting me to be more nurturing to my environment, to the people around me, to children, that whole thing. And then if my midheaven is in Aries, Aries being that it's like the first sign that kind of starts spring. Again, we're getting into a little, a few of the weeds. Um, I know that to really serve the world, because the midheaven is how the world is seeing you and, and what the world gets from you at your best. I know that I need to start something new and I can't follow a crowd. And so when we're talking about astrology, we are getting beyond, okay, I was born in October and I'm a Scorpio, but I don't understand why I can sometimes be perceived as a pushover. And it could be that maybe there's some part of your chart that is more about consensus building than it is about winning and being competitive. And so if we take these details, we plug them into a calculator online, and then we just pull out those four points. You are looking for sun, moon, rising, it's going to say AC likely, rising, and midheaven or MC. With those four data points, we can provide a few more frames for our lives so we can make sure that they are ours. And hopefully I haven't inundated you with too much. It's a simple process. Go to the internet, astro.com or your app store, time passages, plug in your natal chart details. You might have the hiccup of going to vital statistics of the home state that you were born in um, and waiting four to eight to 12 weeks, but it's worth it and we'll still be doing this. Um... But plugging those four points in and pulling that data out. And like on time passages, you can look at and read all kinds of stuff. But I don't want you to get overwhelmed. And so I want you to see what your sun is in, your moon is in, your rising sign is in, your midheaven. Do a couple Googles, jot a couple details down, and then move on. Because we have a lot of stuff that we're kind of taking together. But people always talk and stress about Mercury being retrograde. Um... And so I don't want to inundate here, but to provide a freebie, we currently have a transit. The planet Mars is in the sign of Gemini. And for our purposes, all that means for now is that you need to go out and try and explore hobbies, interests that may or may not feel like you. But if it strikes your interest like, oh, that might be fun to try, do it. The stars are quote unquote, and Mars is a planet, but the, the, the planets are aligned for you to try new things and then integrate that into the whole of who you are. So the timing of us talking about all this play and hobbies and connecting with our inner children and what they want to do is apt. Don't miss this moment. And I want to say that like, oh, if you don't start now, like the sky will fall. It's not. But go out and try stuff. Ooh, woo child. Y'all gonna have me burned at the stake. Oh. <laughs> Not yet. Um, The next thing is a little bit more simple and a little more straightforward. Um, Numerology. So numerology is like the study of numbers, like numeral and analogy. Don't put those things together. Anyway, um, 
numerology, like the study of numbers and the theory that our lives are built on numbers and are influenced by them and that kind of thing, similar to astrology. But I don't want us to get too stuck here and like that. Um, but a lot of y'all watch the Matrix and what y'all think? What did y'all think they were talking? About? Whatever. Who cares? Numerology is like the code to your entire life, your numeric signature, and all of these different metaphysical like concepts or, or subjects have like deep, deep wells. Um, it's into kind of like religion, but they're not religions, but like, it's a lot more here, but we don't need all of that just yet. And I don't know if we'll go into this more cause we have more science to talk about later, but when we're regularly seeing one, one, one and four, 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 they typically have established meanings for spiritualists as well as whatever meanings you apply. But the main point here is just don't take anything for granted. Like I said, at the top of the episode, take the lens, put it on, see if it fits. If not, Throw them in the trash. Um, but here, we just want your life path number. And so, similar to the rising sign, it is it, it is in numerology the quote-unquote path that your life is on. I thought I was going to explain that differently. But um, if you don't have your birth chart handy just yet or that birth time, be patient. But the life path number can also give you a lot of really rich data that can be really useful for like, framing your life and so the life path number is super simple you can do this probably in your head maybe you want to do it on a sheet of paper but you take your birth month number and you condense those so if that's 11 you condense it down to 2 if it's 12 you condense it down to 3 but if it's like anything before 10 or like 10 becomes 1 anything before 10 is just like that number plus the birth day number so that could be 21 so that'll condense to 3 I don't know if I'm using that word right, but, you know, who cares? Um, if it's, like, 29, that becomes 11, and then you condense it again and make that 2. And then the year that you were born is similar. So, like, let's say 1996. So, that is 25, and then that condenses to 7. And so, you would do, like, 7 plus whatever your birth month is. So, like, let's say that that's 8 for August. And your birthday, I don't know why I'm doing this kind of backwards. And then your birth day number, which like let's say is four. So August the fourth, nineteen ninety, let's say six. I forgot what day I said. So you got four, eight, and then seven. So eight, seven, four. Sorry, this is terrible. Eight plus four is twelve. Twelve plus seven is nineteen. Nineteen condenses to uh, ten. One. Woof. My God. So. When you do that whole thing, and you can, of course, do this on the internet, and it's easier, quicker, and then it'll give you back the information that you want anyway. So, like, let's say that your life path one is kind of similar to that midheaven in Aries. Well, I'm doing a lot now, connecting a lot. But that life path one means that you're meant to start new things. You're meant to be a leader. Um, for me, my life path number is nine. And so nine is a humanitarian. Nine is, is considering the end of cycles. So imagine what my life has been. Um, But that humanitarian element is helpful for me because then it helps me frame and understand why systems that grind people up and and make work hard and make life miserable are so frustrating and, and, and disconcerting to me. If I were, let's say, a life path three, which is all about creativity, then maybe I would see these systems and just want to go create something better or different. Um, 
I think for me, I look at stuff and I'm like, these are humans. Like, what the like these are humans. Um, and so I think just knowing that doesn't mean that I have to do my entire life as a humanitarian. But some of the things that I resonate with or or that kind of light me up begin to make a little bit more sense. And some of the life experiences that I've also had make a little bit more sense because it's a numeric signature that I have and I'm kind of living with that I just either never knew or paid attention to that is not guiding my life, but just provides me information about how I'm going about it. Um, I think for numerology and astrology, and like I think I've mentioned it a couple times, and just the things that we like and watch, I love the idea of correspondence. It's like as above, so below. It's like if I'm looking at my reflection in a, a river or a mirror, I'm not myself or have my face because of what's in the mirror. It's just reflecting back to me something that's true. It's not a cause. It's not even necessarily an outcome. It just is. And so take what 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 the astrologers and the, and the numerologists say. Take what resonates and leave what doesn't. Take the meat and leave the bones. But I don't want us to continue to demonize based on what a few people with a, a bit of power and vested interest have said when just a little bit of information can help us understand the broader picture of who we are a little bit better. Okay? All right? <laughs> um... So now let's come out the clouds just a little teeny tiny bit. I'm going to stay, but y'all can come down. Um, Any assessments that you've ever taken? I think sometimes, I think often we will do things and we will collect information and we'll say, huh, that's interesting. That's cool. When we should really have like a folder that we're putting all this information in and regularly reviewing so that we can take all of those data together and say, oh, I can kind of see the picture of who I am. Like going back to that poorly explained analogy about religion on one of the first episodes. I, I left the word out blind. And so that might not have come across. But it's like with religion, you have people in different religions who, let's say, are quote unquote blind, who are trying to figure out an element, an elephant, while touching and observing and examining different parts of that, that elephant. And so, and this is straight out of the psychology. It's just like when we collect all these data points, we are trying to make sense of and understand a bigger picture that we might not ever fully be able to understand uh, to make this plain. And maybe this is something that you consider going out and buying. Oh my gosh, all this free promo, Lord God. Like, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> There's like an assessment that I love. It's called the Strengths Finder. It's done by this this um, company's organization called Gallup that you probably seen, especially at work. And so I remember taking it, and it it, it spits you out five strengths. You can go and get ten, and then you can go and get a full list of thirty. But let's talk about information overload. Um, but I remember taking it and saying, "Oh, I get it now, and I can see how I can use these things." And so for me, my strengths were input maximizer, empathy, futuristic, individualization. I know I'm giving y'all a lot of words, but I'll just name a few of those or dive into a couple of those. So for example, input is just me storing information, not knowing when I'll need to use it or who it could benefit. (laughs) Okay. Um, Maximizer. I only want to participate in things if we can take it and make it the best that it's ever been. 
if we just want to kind of play around and push these PowerPoints back and forth in these emails, y'all can keep it. Individualization. This feels a little bit closely related to that humanitarian non-life path. Individualization is about bringing something down to the individual. So we have this process at, let's say, in an emergency room. And I'm looking at all these moving parts, but let's bring this down to what is my individual experience of this thing. And so when we we take assessments, when we collect all this new information, what then can we do with this that makes it a little bit more clear to us who we are? So that when we're deciding on a job, when we're deciding on a relationship, we're not relying too much on external information but we are considering who am I and what am I bringing to this and does this feel like a good fit? Intuition is usually developed and I think it's been found to be developed over time because of data that we're regularly collecting. And so if you have as much data as you can possibly collect about yourself, then making decisions and then trusting your intuition is a lot easier because your decision-making mechanism is sharp because you're clear. All right, moving on. Um, I, I mentioned earlier, open creative projects. And so we'll talk more about creativity later. And unless y'all say otherwise, I'm gonna do my best to shorten these episodes. But it's easy, and I've noticed this a lot, but it's easy and common to consider creative blocks as not a part of the creative process itself. And so I think often, yes, there's procrastination, and I've experience it a lot with this this podcast but the vessel and its output are intimately linked so if i'm getting water from a well and the water is disgusting i'm not just going to look at the water i'm going to look at the well i'm going to look at the vessel that it came from and i think often we want to make sure we like we're writing something that's like this is terrible we're right we're working on a website design like this sucks and it's like, okay, let me take a step back and, and attend to the vessel. And very simple questions. Am I fed? Am I clear? Is there something that is hovering beneath my awareness? Maybe a free writing assignment. Hovering beneath my awareness that is creating this block. Like, where is this dam in my process? And it's like, if we take a step back and see, okay, these things are, are, are connected Maybe there's a pattern there that I regularly get stuck in. Maybe I spend a lot of time on Instagram and and I'm being inundated by beautiful grids and creative stuff that once it's time for myself to do something, I'm overwhelmed and I feel like my my output is not going to be as good. So maybe that means whenever I'm preparing to create something, maybe I strip myself of all external inputs so that once I go to to create from my own well it's clear it's mine it's it's something i can come back and revise but it's not tainted by anything else and i don't get lost in why can i not do this so take your procrastination take your fear and nervousness as more so indicators about you as an individual and as a vessel And have them point to potential sources of your personal power. Maybe there's just something leaking in the well that once you you plug that up, then it's like, okay, cool. I'm flowing now in a way that I wasn't before. 
I've said it in a previous episode, and I'll probably say it every couple episodes. Use everything. Use absolutely everything in your life to, to move you forward, to help you connect more deeply with yourself, and to help you create a life that you can actually enjoy. And I know a lot of this stuff seems, maybe potentially, I don't want to put thoughts in your head. Maybe it seems too flowery or out there given the state of things. But imagine what you can create when you are actually yourself. When you don't need an external opportunity to tell you what you are capable of creating. Finally, your favorite religious stories, mythological stories, folklore. I mentioned Jean Grey and the Scarlet Witch in the first couple episodes. Um, I think using another example, like one of my favorite movies is Sky High. Um, it's a really fun kids movie um, about kids that attend a superhero school where they get put off into essentially factions of real superheroes, quote unquote, real superheroes and sidekicks. And the sidekicks, their powers are a little less useful in like battle. So one of the kids' superpowers is that he glows in the dark. And it's like, great on a dark night, not so great during a robbery. And like, he doesn't get like super bright to like blind you. It's just like a little bit of a, a glow. Like, it's like a Chuck E. Cheese toy kind of glow. But the main character, Will Stronghold, there is my red superpower into syndrome. <laughs> but, um,. Will Stronghold, the, the the main character, goes to school and, and he starts school and he doesn't have superpowers yet. And so he's trying to hide that from the PE teacher who kind of classifies them, his parents, his friends, because he has such great expectations on him because both of his parents are like superpowered. Um, and so I think for me, I resonated with that a lot because both of my parents were athletes. Um, they both have varying or similar levels of influence in our communities and they're not like superheroes you probably wouldn't like find them on the internet or anything and that's also not an invitation but i think i'd always been nervous about becoming quote-unquote something or or living up to great expectations and so i think seeing his hero's journey of being honest with himself being vulnerable and then ultimately becoming himself was something that I resonated very deeply with. And so I would take that and identify the characteristics of shows, um, stories, your favorite myths, and determine for yourself how you'd feel embodying those characteristics or being on that same journey. If it causes an excited feeling or like an expansion kind of feeling on the inside, I think that we have a winner, even if it's got like a tinge of fear to it. Like a lot of these things are us kind of becoming. If it feels like contraction or like a tightness and like, oh, I don't really like that, then throw that out. You don't need that. And if you felt that at any point during this podcast, throw that out too. But we're looking for those those invitations to kind of be more, to have more, to experience more. Woo! So I think that's plenty now, don't y'all? Don't y'all? Um now when y'all are singing Alien Superstar by Beyonce, you can know what y'all talk about. So, now that we have these new data, let's remember to use last week's tools of introspection and reflection to collect some new insights. Like, I'm excited and hopeful that this will, say, this will make plain for you some of the, the tensions or the, the contradictions that you felt that you've lived in your life. After these last two years, I don't think that we should be leaving any parts of ourselves on the table 
given how demanding everything is. And so pairing that introspection and reflection about all of this stuff, make sure that you are also using play. Because remember, playing and being outside of our minds puts us in the theta brainwave state that allows us to truly integrate a lot of the information that we're kind of mulling over. And so when you play your body and your energetic infrastructure, which we'll talk about in like, I think, four episodes, can integrate and and pull together all of these new aspects of yourself without you having to consciously determine if you like them or not, if you enjoy them or not. You will unlock new levels of awareness, go outside and play or ride a bike or blow some bubbles. Um, It's like, okay, cool. That feels kind of good to try on. But I know that so many of us, so, so, so many of us are looking for a sign and wanting to leap into something that feels better or is richer. But before looking for an external catalyst, I want you to be intimately familiar with your personal power, your uniqueness, and the path that feels most you to tread. Then taking a leap won't be so daunting because you'll want nothing more than what is for you and you'll know what you're offering to the world. So, per usual, this went a little longer than I thought, but, you know, we're just going to go with it. Um, So, integration work for this week. Uh, Because last week was contemplation, this week is integration. Um, So, this week, I want you to look up and maybe share your big three. So, your sun, your moon, and rising. Sorry, I didn't say that before. Uh, When people say on the internet, like, your big three, they're talking about your sun sign, your moon sign, and your rising sign. So, I would say share your big three and any other insights that you gather from this episode with a friend, maybe somebody that you're regularly navigating life with, and that can kind of keep you accountable or just like, oh, I see this too, I recognize this, and you you tend to do this or show up in this way. Um, so that's one part, so sharing these details. And I'm inviting you to text a friend and go do something childish or try something new. Like I said, the planets, not just the stars, are aligned for you to do so. So again, this week's integration work, I want you to share your big three or your life path or your creative projects or any assessment you've ever taken with a friend so you can start seeing it being reflected back to you how you're moving through the world and go do something childish or try something new. This could be roller skating, double dutch, not regular jump rope because y'all have ruined that with weighted ropes. And gyms, jacks, hopscotch, uh, arm knitting. I did that like during the pandemic and made a blanket that is to die for. <laughs> um, but just do something new. Um, pro tip: you could maybe look at one of your your natal chart placements, Google Hobbies, and then kind of go from there. But I know I threw a lot at you. I keep throwing a lot at you. My apologies. But, of course, let me know if you have any questions, any feedback, because I don't know if this episode went too long or not. Like, I don't I don't, I don't know what y'all are coming here for. Um, I mean, I'm hoping it's for me. But, anyway, that's Love Letter Podcast on Instagram, or you can email me at melvin at loveletterpodcast.com. So, if this was too spooky and out there, I should have saved it for October. Next week, and I don't know, I'm... I don't need a break, but maybe we'll see if we take a break because it's been a, a, a hefty few episodes. 
But next week, we're going to be getting in between the brain hemispheres inside your brain. I'm going to be catwalking all up and down that corpus callosum. <laughs> Until then, I love y'all. Bye.